Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Jay, and this is the Rewatch Podcast. I watch movies all the time. Then I like to rewatch them, and sometimes I'll even watch them again. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad or just downright terrible. I'm going to watch them and then tell you all about them. And sometimes I'll have special guests join me. This is the Rewatch Podcast. Welcome back to the Rewatch Podcast. I am Jay Thomas. This week we're going to do something that actually I, I mentioned it last week. We're going to talk about New York Ninja. Sean's back with us. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Glad to talk about this brilliant passion project from Vinegar Syndrome, New York Ninja. A lot of fun in 2021. My favorite new release of 2021, maybe. I haven't made a top 10 list. I haven't actually done that for a couple of years. But if I did, this would definitely be on it. Because the fact that it it was made technically in 84 and then abandoned and mm-hmm. then everything that goes into it. I mean, it is just... It's great. And like you said, it, Vinegar Syndrome, if there's if, if I was going to ever do a movie about a ninja, I'd call you. If I was going to do any movie that involved <laughs> Vinegar Syndrome, I'd call you. So naturally, <laughs> yeah, to be honest, plus we watched this together, which is we fun. Did. We did. That was a lot of fun to watch it with you the first time. And yeah, I, I watched it again last night just to, to freshen my mind. And it's just I love the way it was shot in the 80s and the beautiful. There's a lot of like beautiful shots in this movie like the whole yeah. movie itself not perfect but every once in a while you're like damn that is a beautiful shot that they cut like the one they use in the trailer with the you know the twin towers on the, the Staten island ferry yeah where he's stoically posing like that was just a brilliant shot that they got and i'm so glad they were able to like preserve that from 84 you know resurrected right. here 2021 and it really is like a time capsule of new york in certain areas from 84 and there's a really cool part where you see the Statue of Liberty with a bunch of uh, like beams and stuff around it because it's being touched up or fixed up or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool because that's a major part of Spider-Man No Way From Home. This is fantastic. I love this. Yeah. It made me think of Ghostbusters 2. That's what I thought when I saw it. Oh, I mean, I let's be honest. Almost every time I see the Statue of Liberty, I think of Ghostbusters 2. You think it's just going to start. You can just control it with the uh, power pad there, right? Yeah. The, so and music. You got to have the music. So, yeah, let's get into it. New York Ninja from... 84 and 2021, directed by John Liu and Curtis Spieler from uh, Vinegar Syndrome. Abductions of young women are still being reported. Another woman with mysterious radiation burns has been discovered. We're going to have a baby. Oh, my God. I can't believe that John's wife was murdered. You have to try and pull yourself together. This city owes me. Well, what's that? Justice. Why won't anyone do anything? We are strong on crime, and together we have the power. This is a big city. We're doing what we can. Tell the others, I'm coming for this. I need you to help me. I would, but I want them dead. Crime has remained at an all-time low thanks to ninja fever. We're going live with this. These men murdered her because of what she saw. (laughs) It's linked to these abductions. There's something weighing us down. It's that damn ninja. (laughs) New York ninja's a real hero. So basically the story is Vinegar Syndrome had a warehouse and they had literally all the footage from this fabled New York ninja movie that uh, was unfinished. Whether they're not exactly sure everything that happened that made it go unfinished, but apparently director John Liu, who's also the star of the movie, very good martial artist, 
apparently has lots of, of a pretty good library of movies that really showcased his skills. Uh, even the director uh, that took over uh, on this one said, this is not a great showcase for his martial arts ability, but uh, apparently he went rogue a lot during the shooting and kind of abandoned the script and would just give the actors their lines like the day of. And that caused a lot of budgetary problems. And they had to stop filming for a little while and they just never went back. Like it was just completely abandoned. John Liu kind of disappeared after this and just didn't want anything to do with it. And when they found the footage, it was all the footage that they shot with no ending. And there was absolutely no sound to it whatsoever and no script. Can you imagine finding something like that and thinking, let's finish this? That's crazy. It is crazy. And they could have gone a lot of different ways with it. You know, they could have made it really zany. They could have made it, you know, really smart. They could have, um, you know, outsmarted themselves. But I, I think the way that they did it, the way they scripted it and added the dialogue with an amazing cast of actors. I've got to say, you got a lot of great actors doing the voice work in this movie. Yeah. I Don mean, Wilson, Michael Berryman, Lee and Isaac Kennedy. I mean, so many great names. Um, uh, Lene Quigley, Cynthia Rothrock, Ginger oh, Lynn. Yeah. I mean, the cast is just, and it's all, and they wanted to use actors that Vinegar Syndrome, is, they've released their movies a lot. Um, so they're familiar with them because they've done all the special features and stuff like that. And people of the time that made movies that were just like this. And yeah. that's such a smart way to do it. Very smart, very cool, very clever, and it, uh, very effective. Even if you're not like a huge movie nerd like us, and you're, you know, Mad Wings Hauser isn't in this movie. But yeah. still, they've done so well with the casting, and everyone plays a role perfectly. With the with the script that they've written, none of it seems out of the ordinary coming from these voices, <laughs> you know, these faces. No, the it screen. doesn't. Everybody, it, it all seems to fit. In fact, there's a, a character, a, a reporter, that's one of the main characters of the movie, um, that has uh, an insane wig. She, the actress, actually thought that they found the audio because it sounded so much like her. But they're like, no, that's Lenny <laughs> Quigley. She looks, she, I know the actress, she reminds me of April O'Neil. Like, if I could yes. find an like, approximation of the, well, April O'Neil, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle reporter character, it's this woman. I mean, she's spot on for that. I, it's what it feels like they ripped her out of that. Ninja movies very big in the early 80s. Um, Canon, actually, you know, they did the Ninja trilogy with. What are they again? Is it American Ninja? No, no, that's they, not right. they, they did Revenge of the Ninja, Enter the Ninja, and Ninja Three: The Dominion. Which actually, right. the poster for that movie is in New York Ninja. Yes, Ninja 3, yeah, Dominion. When he was driving through it, I was for a second. I also thought I saw a poster for Tiger Claw. It was like Tiger Crane or something. I had to rewind. Oh it. yeah, no, it couldn't have been because that was in the nineties. In it before, um, yeah, that too. Canon, they could have finished it and they passed. So this could have been one of the Canon Ninja movies, technically, and. Uh, they passed on it and it just kind of disappeared into obscurity until it was found. And um, I just, I can't, I've listened to the audio commentary for this. I've watched behind the scenes. I still can't believe everything they did to make this feel like this is the most authentic kind of recreation. I mean, it is filmed in 84, but literally everything else that you see was made now and during COVID, which is even crazier. I mean, uh, the dubbing of all the voices that they were all in, separate studios and um i I, being somebody that uses sound effects for radio commercials just the entire soundscape of the movie was created and that just it blows my mind and kind of stresses me out that somebody had that job to put it all together oh yeah and to do it without i mean no no offensive intercinema without like a major like studio backing like they did this own was even more impressive for me that they were able to 
approach it with this cinematic, I mean, because they are a bunch of cinematic geniuses slash uber nerds, you know, like us that, that love the movies and were able to take all these things and, and make it cohesive and make it feel like it was filmed in 84 completely and never redone. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. The, you know, the script, they weren't trying to get the lips perfect. They kind of just added the, the, you know, the voices, the dialogue in afterwards. And it, it for me, it gave me that kind of feeling of watching like one of those Italian movies in the 80s, right. too, which I liked a lot, that it wasn't explicitly like, oh, the lips match 100%. It was like, no, they were going to make the best dialogue for what they had and, well, and match up. Not that it's noticeable. I mean, it's not no. even like really that noticeable. Well, that's the thing. I think if you watch this and you didn't know any of the stuff we're telling you, I, I don't think you'd notice. I don't. I honestly don't think you'd think anything was different. And it was a hidden gem from the 80s, which, it, I mean, it half is. It um, is very gem. Speaking of the uh, the lip reading, they were going to hire somebody to do that for them. They were going to hire someone to mm-hmm. look through every scene, every shot, figure out what they were saying. But they're like, we couldn't even do that because if somebody had their back turned, we didn't know what they were saying. And yeah. they're like, it would just be too tedious. So they just looked and they, he, uh, Curtis said he, he got it as close as he could without, like, if it, if it was there, he's like, okay, I think I know what they're saying there. But he's like, even if I did that too, once they returned, I, you wouldn't, I would have no idea. So he goes, I just kind of made the best story I could with what I had. But again, they didn't have an ending. Um, a lot of times they didn't have like pickup shots on things. So he goes, it was really nonsensical in a lot of ways. And he used a lot of different shots. He goes, I don't know if they're in the right order. He goes, there was no, there's no way for me to know. But I guess it was uh, very long from the footage that they had originally. I did notice there was quite a bit of people having their back turned for the audio, which is you know, something in making film that's going to happen. And it was just kind of funny to me at times where I was like, oh, yeah. And I really notice why did they, again, amateur filmmaking at its finest, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. And he said there was uh, some shots that we just, he would just watch it. Like, I don't know what's going on. And then there were other scenes where there's a, there's a moment where the New York Ninja is chasing criminals. It's pretty early in the movie with roller skates on. Oh yeah. And that, that moment, I mean, that seals the deal. It's I, I, but then, random. It's just that one. It's just that one scene too. Well, yeah, and that, and I don't know. I can't remember if it's the exact same scene or not. But there's a part where he pulls a handgun briefly. Like the ninjas, you know, John is pinned down and he pulls a gun on him. He doesn't actually use the gun. I'm no. pretty sure it's the only time he holds a gun in the entire movie. But again, just so random on roller skates and then with a pistol and <laughs> just for one scene only, and then he's done. Yeah, with it. and then he flips over a car with the roller skates. But when you when they you see the scene, he's not wearing the roller skates when he flips. But then he's back on him when he lands. Right, and he said there were a lot of parts like that where he's they were trying to figure out with editing if it was smart to keep it in or take it out. He's like, but then I thought, what kind of movie is this? Is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be serious? He goes, obviously, it was supposed to be a little tongue in cheek, but mm-hmm. they were probably trying to do a serious movie. And he goes, they probably would have left that in. So he's trying to really put himself in the headspace of the people that made it. I got to leave some of the imperfections in because that's part of the charm of the whole thing. But when it came, when it came to the fighting, he said the fighting was really bad and really long. And there's a lot of punches and kicks that were very far away from where they should be. So he tried to cut it in a way that he was, I tried to get it to look as close as possible and would cut away to other people when it got really bad or, um, he just would cut out half the fight. But I, I actually, I didn't think they were that bad. in some of them, I thought some of the fights were actually pretty fun. Well, they're all, yeah, the, no, the fights are fun. They're just kind of ridiculous because he's always up against a hodgepodge of like 10 yeah. randomly costumed gangsters, I guess, that they're are like, video games. yeah, they're video game thugs. final fight. Yeah, they're like 
okay, this guy is wearing like a mummy wrap on his face, but then yeah. he's got like shoulder pads and then a mohawk. And this other guy's got, you know, uh, you know, no mask, but he's got makeup on like a clown, like insane yeah. clown posse or something. It's and so and weird. They're all together. That's, that's the fun thing is there's not like gangs per se, like, you know, in, in the warriors where it's, you know, the, the yeah. baseball fairies and stuff like that. It's just, everyone is a gangster and they're all banded together to do crime basically. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's Freedom. like, yeah, like you said, final fight streets of rage, Hot any punch. game like that, that's what those are. And they're just repeated throughout the whole movie. And, yeah. and that's kind of, you know, I guess we haven't even really talked about what the movie is other than how it was made, but the whole thing, you know, we, we start off with this character, John, and he meets up with his wife, who he finds out is pregnant and then they leave each other. And then just the, the dialogue is so funny and she leaves and then gets attacked by one of these gangs and killed. So then he has to get revenge. The, the scene where he finds out he's alone on his little rooftop birthday party and he, he freaks out and destroys the table that has all the cake and everything on it. It's, it's great. I love every moment of that. <laughs> I got, yeah. I got to go back to the, the scene where his wife is attacked. Basically, I know this is in the movie. There are a lot of knives in this movie. There's a lot of knife play. So many knives. And this guy that that kills John's wife is he's dancing around the knife like brandishing it and dancing around like he's blade basically with this yeah. knife like in public on the subway. Just like waving it around. No big deal. Kills a woman. You think he's done. And then he does a little dance move and stabs her again. It's pretty ridiculous. But then you go to that party scene with John was supposed to be a party scene. And when he grabs the picture frame with his bare hands, the broken picture frame, and yeah. seizes the glass, pieces, shards of glass in his hand and squeezes them. For, it felt like five minutes. It, it was a long horrible. time. It was hard to watch. He kept doing it. And then <laughs> later, he takes his katana out and slices his hands again, like five minutes later. Like, he just keeps cutting his hands. And I don't know what they are doing or what the point is. Like, he's in so much emotional pain. He doesn't feel physical pain. So we're going to show horrible torture to his hands. But he just keeps doing it. I love I love to uh, you don't really find out a lot of this until the end credits. But, um, you know, they didn't know who the characters names were. For the most part, they didn't know who any of the actors were because there's no credits given to it or anything. So they they invented the characters names. So the one that kills uh, John's wife is Freddie Cufflinks, which I because he has Cufflinks. That's how. Oh, yeah. That's how he is. Knows. And that's how the ninja figures it out, because his wife. Uh, got a cufflink off of uh, the jacket or whatever, and that's like in her hands when she dies. And yeah, the cufflink uh, plays, plays a huge role, and it, it's so funny because I watched. So I watched New York Ninja last night. Uh -huh. They had that scene, and then I watched a random Seinfeld episode, and it's the one where Jerry has one of uh, he has Jerry Lewis's cufflinks, and that's how he's going to meet him right. because he has his cufflinks. I was like, what are the odds I'm watching a, two different shows? And cuffing yeah. like a major plot point. Like this is really a weird coincidence that I have to bring up in this podcast because it freaked me out a little bit. That is a you didn't you had no idea you were doing a cufflink double feature, but there you go. No, I mean I I can see us doing uh, maybe a finger cuffs one, but not a cufflink. Wait, <laughs> Dang, a should watch chasing Amy with this too. Um, yeah, I was gonna say please clarify also that it's for chasing Amy, and we're not just gonna do a, a podcast <laughs> on pornography. Yes, yeah, not. I mean, you know, we are talking about uh, Ginger Lynn's in this and, you know, it is Vinegar Syndrome, which they also have some of that. Um, the Sharon Plutonian Mitchell. Killer is the main villain in this movie, and he makes almost no sense. I love that they created the character based on those shots, but how would you even figure out what was going on without audio with this character? I mean, how do you even describe him? <laughs> it's it's hard to describe the Plutonium he's a, Killer. He's like a mad scientist with 
I don't know. He's got a glowing green rock and then he has a blowgun and he gets all of his news from newspapers uh, throughout yeah. the movie for exposition. He kind of melts in one scene. Yeah. And he melts people kind of. And he's also the MVP of voice casting. Michael Berryman in that role is the best casting they did in this movie like that. And he, yeah, he's fantastic. great. He, uh, if you don't know who Michael Berryman and he, he was in uh, the end of weird science, uh, he was the bald uh, Mad Max character. Was he? Is he actually in Mad Max? Any of the Mad Maxes? I don't think so. The other one, the other guy in Weird Science was. Right, okay, that's Wells. right. Yeah, uh, he's in Hills Have Eyes is his biggest uh, movie, and then he's been in a few things here and there. But he's great, and he's so unique. Like you know, you know him when you see him. Uh, big tall guy, bald. He's a really, and it's funny to watch him in interviews too because he's a very articulate, very intelligent person. And yeah, his voice casting in this was perfect. And Comes one of the through. weirdest scenes is, uh, you know, this movie, for the most part, I think anybody could watch it. But then there's a weird scene where the plutonium killer is having sex in the back of his limo with this woman that might have the biggest boobs I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> that, that seemed real. I should say that. That seemed real. Um, <laughs> and then he like his hands, they put wax on him or something. Or is that just the, maybe the bad effect? But then he like that's puts them on her back and it's really weird. Well, he's like radioactive. They're like, that's again, what yeah. they're trying to figure out. Like, what is he doing? And like he has, he's been exposed to radiation. His face melts, his hand melts and it melts the woman, her yeah. back. But then it's all of his stuff goes back to normal. Like all the time. It makes no <laughs> well, sense. It, fun, it, it might be out of order. Like they, like they said, they don't know when things really took place. They could kind of guess they said by clothing and like where people were, but they said it was very difficult to, figure out where things were supposed to go in the movie. Yeah, his radioactive green rock, the glowing green light, is in a like a tackle box that says delicate unit, handle with care. Yeah. It, it doesn't explain what it is. No. What it, we're just assuming it's like a piece of plutonium or something, you know? Who knows? Yeah, it's very like Lex Luthor with uh, yeah. a piece of kryptonite. Like that's, what it, that's the effect that it essentially has. And he, um, yeah. His glasses, he reminded me a lot of Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, very Judge Doomy. That's for what, sure. I wish they would have. Obviously, it was made before Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but still kind of a fun tie-in again. And, and they treat the, the New York Ninja sort of like a superhero in a way because he's like a cameraman with this news crew. Whenever there's like something bad going on, he just sort of disappears and then becomes <laughs> the ninja. And then he comes back. He's like, oh, what happened? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and but also he has branded throwing stars. Like I, don't I love know. that. That moment. It's also he has throwing stars, but then he has branded ones with uh, New York Ninja written on them, and the, the the street campaign is out there. It's so good. Like when I when I saw the New York Ninja on the star, I'm like, that is that is perfect. I don't know when he had time to do that, but I love it. I don't know. He's got random. He seems to have some kind of random ninja background because he had his katanas and everything. And he had like the ritual and the Buddha and the incense. And he was, you know, ready for revenge. And all of a sudden he was the New York ninja wearing white. And by the way, it is weird that his white suit changes colors as well from like white to like cream to kind of a dark milk. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's because they had multiple suits or if like it got kind of dingy as they were filming. And well, yeah, that's what, about it. I really but, noticed it during the roller skating scene. I was like, probably because yeah. he fell so many times. I can't. Yeah, got it's, a little dirty from rolling on the ground. I I saw an interview with with uh, Don Wilson who did the voice for John Liu, and he said it was very hard to do the the voiceover because he goes, "I would not have acted the way he did." He goes, "So <laughs> I had to throw away how I would normally deliver a line and try to match it with 
how he did it. He goes, and I almost would have made completely different choices at every turn. Um, but that would be difficult to try to, if you know you do it a certain way, but you have to match it with the other person, that it, would be so difficult. It would be. You did the best you can. And under the circumstances, they did great. And again, I really like the whole time capsule aspect of 1980s New York City. I can't get enough of 1980s New York City movies, to be honest with you, when they're set like yeah. that. Even It's even nice to see those old blue cop cars, you know, you saw in the 80s mm-hmm. movies. Like, um, Ghostbusters, I really think predominantly. And I don't think I've seen those blue cop cars since like the usual suspects. I think that's the last time I remember seeing like the blue New York City, you know, police vans, police cars and stuff like that. And I don't know. Oh, that would have of... timed out perfect with Ghostbusters too, because this was done in '84. Could you imagine if they were filming at the same time? <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, they bumped into each other. <laughs> yeah, that would have been biggest amazing. motion picture ever. It's gonna be called New York Ninja. It's gonna take over the world. Oh, we're making a crappy movie called Ghostbusters. Maybe some Saturday Night Live nerds will watch it. We'll see. You know, this movie was clearly made very cheaply, uh, but there is a fun part where the Plutonium Man, for some reason, can look exactly like one of their friends, who's. Uh, works with the news crew as well <laughs> to, to kidnap the reporter the cameraman and, guy, yeah yeah the cameraman and he he turns to look like it but then his face melts to show you the other guy and that effect actually i thought was pretty good for what they had yeah yeah there's moments of glory and then you got back to the powder bombs and he has again so another weapon of the New York ninja and like yeah it looks like an egg but it's just like a giant powder bomb and it doesn't really specify what it does sometimes it makes a cloud sometimes it blinds someone yeah but it poison his hand magically and it's being thrown onto somebody it's so funny there's a moment in the movie where he's saving two women that are being attacked and you see him kind of watching and he whistles to get their attention and then he shows up but apparently that was added because originally <laughs> like you see some of the you see some of the punks with the powder already on their faces because originally he just showed up throwing those, I guess, and half of them missed. But they <laughs> that's all the footage they had. So they switched it to where he had to come in in a completely different way. Um, and then he, they all surround him and then he fights them one by one. But yeah, he uses those uh, powder bombs nonstop. Yeah, I don't know where he pr- produces them from or how they stick together, but it's a lot of fun. And also, isn't there a part where he, he gets shot too? And yes, like, he, gets, just, he gets shot trying to save a kid. Yeah, and he just shakes it off and is like, eh, I'm fine. And you never... Oh about it he again the rest the of the movie he pulls out the bullet from like his shoulder or his chest oh his chest, yeah actually. right they did and a surgery completely... and the kid yeah and he's completely still it the bullet has not changed it's still a perfectly used bullet right just right there looks brand right. new i forgot they i thought that they killed the kid and then he just the kid for all intents and purposes is dead and he takes the kid you think he takes his body and then he you show the kid alive and he takes the bullet i hope but... yeah and then they become best friends like they live together of course <laughs> And the, the kid gets his time to shine a little bit later on in the movie. Then there's this there's a fun scene with I don't know if it's fun. It's very weird where he's fishing in like a lake or the ocean. I guess it would be probably. Mm-hmm. And but he's in it in like a very small red Speedo while yeah. the kid and that's the kid's name is just the kid. Yeah. Um, he's fishing with a pole. I'm like, this is just a weird, just a weird moment. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if they had like a whole subplot where he like adopted this kid and they obviously was lost to the script and yeah. the audio, what they were doing. The street or- orphan because the New York Ninja rallies this kid and all the other kids into like, I don't know, New York Ninja gang almost. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of come to the, his defense. They well, he gets very popular in the city and they there's people are wearing I Heart uh, New York Ninja on it, which I loved. Yeah, he didn't get their shirt from Vinegar Syndrome yet. I need to. I think uh, I think maybe after my next order gets here, I might order one if they still have any. 
Yeah, I don't know if they do. That'd be tough. Their stuff goes so fast on that site. It does. And then the, the exposures out there, New York Ninjas made them, I think, a lot more common too. It, it's and good for them, bad yeah. for us, but good for them, you know, that they're going <laughs> to be able to sell everything that they have and good brand to be behind. I like that they they did keep the the whole trope of um, the hero then befriending a kid because that's in so many '80s movies. Is it Revenge of the Ninja that there's the kid in that one too? The kid, I think, is in both Revenge and Enter the Ninja. Okay. Oh wait, no. I'm hold on. I'm getting my Ninja movies confused. Ninja November was a while ago. I'm thinking of um, the show Khashoggi ones. What was it? Uh, I know for sure Revenge of the Ninja. I, I'm pretty sure is one of them because I think yeah, I, son. I saved that video on Snapchat because it was so funny. With the kid gets hit in the head with a door. <laughs> I watched two of them. One of them, Pray for Death. That was what I was thinking of. One was Pray for Death, and one was Rage of Honor, where the kid is like a. It's actually show Khashoggi's son in that in those movies. In real life, and he's in the movies too. But yeah, all all of November, you did Ninja November. I, how does this? Like, I, I'll be honest, I'm fair. I love the idea of Ninja movies, but I haven't seen a ton. How does this uh, stack up to the Ninja movies of the time? I'd say it's it's probably in like the top ten. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, just because I can't tell how much of it is tongue in cheek and how much is like taking itself seriously. Right. It seems like for the most part, taking itself pretty seriously. And I kind of lean towards those Ninja movies almost for like more impact with me that I like. Yeah. Um, it appealed to me more when they're really trying so hard and making it so like, emotional and hardcore and, you know, tough decisions and tough choices and doing the best I can to avenge my family. Here it's kind right. of like New York Ninja. He's avenging his wife, but he's also a folk hero, you know? Yeah. Well, he said that was kind of the, the tough part of, you know, editing it too, is he's like, I know this isn't a good movie, but I need to, you know, walk that very fine line of keep like trying to keep that true to the mm-hmm. way they were trying to make it and how would they have done it back then? And said it was probably as close as they'll ever get to being in a time machine because you had to basically just be completely in the mindset of 1984 making a ninja movie, which is the perfect time to do it because there were so many in the early eighties and well, kind of throughout the eighties. I mean, I remember growing up having ninja toys, like the swords and the throwing stars and all that stuff. And they were everywhere. Yeah. GI Joe. We haven't gotten to in the American Ninjas. There's like four of those movies. I don't even think I've seen the American Ninjas. Oh, you're missing out. Are they good? So bad, they're great. I mean, they're fantastic. Would that be my next obsession is the American Ninja movies? It's possible. I don't actually, I don't actually own any of those in my collection yet, but I mean, they're on the list. I, I think there, there are so many things to love about this movie, and I wish, I wish it was easily available to everybody. Other, but I think the only place you can get it is Vinegar Syndrome. And I want I want as many people to see this as possible because it is so much fun. Like if you like kind of campy movies, this is pretty campy, but it's not campy trying to be campy. It's just it's what they had. It's all they yeah. could do. And I, I think that's the, those are the movies I love so much is they're trying so hard to, to make a good movie. And sometimes it just doesn't really work. Yeah, it definitely wasn't from lack of passion and trying and everyone, you know, giving their all to the to the movie and they leave it all on the tape on the on the screen from what I can tell anyways. And it is kind of unfortunate during this time of covid. It's it's beautiful that we have this movie when the, there's physical copies of it and I'm again, I'm not a big fan of streaming, but I wish it was more accessible to people as well or I wish I would even have a watch party. I would have yeah. all my friends over to watch this like if it wasn't for the covid times, like this would be fantastic. I think a lot of people would enjoy it if you could just get more eyes on it and Hopefully, if this whole uh, pandemic thing wraps up in sometime in the near future, we can you know share with as many people and, and get it out there. It looks like on the Vinegar Syndrome site, they still have quite a few copies left, luckily. So it's Good. out there. Yeah, I was just looking that up, actually. I'm definitely planning on gifting it to people in the future I mean, here. It's just, to be fair, it is like 35 bucks without shipping 
and it is it is pricey. But let me tell you, this movie is worth the money because it's one, it's super fun to watch. If you're interested at all in making movies, all the behind the scenes on this and what they had to do to give you a movie that feels so incredibly 80s authentic is Mm -hmm. it's so impressive. I mean, that definitely is one of the the story behind it almost makes me love it 10 times more. Yeah, I love the artwork so much that the case that it comes in is so yeah. beautiful, such a beautiful piece of work. I feel really like a a true film, uh, highfalutin film watcher having this this in my collection, in my hand, you know, this giant yeah. book with a book, with an actual book inside and the movie itself and the beautiful they artwork. They want you to know the story of, of how they made it. I mean, how it, it came to be. And, and like I said, if you didn't know that story, it wouldn't affect the way you watch it because it is so, it feels like it was completed back, mm-hmm. you know, almost 40 years ago, yeah, which is it just, crazy. It just supplements the, the enjoyment for me. I would enjoy the movie regardless. It's definitely something that fits into Vinegar Syndrome's catalog perfectly. Yeah. And they recognize that, obviously. And yeah, it's it's fantastic. And uh, the music done by Voyager 3, and they were given instructions like, just act like you're from that time. They're a band that already makes very synth, almost sounds like movie scores for movies that don't even exist. Sort of like, here, here's what we want you to do. And I guess they pretty much nailed it right out of the park. I just downloaded the album um, today after I watched the movie. And I've already listened to it. It's yeah. so good. Um, I think, and that, I think that really adds a lot to it, too. It does. I like and it didn't seem like out of place. Like it didn't seem like it was being forced or that it was like recorded yesterday, like trying to sound old. It sounds like it was made in 84. Like they yeah. did a really good job without being overly pretentious or, you know, trying too hard. It comes across really well. And then I think the, the actual score the soundtrack is. Uh, on vinyl on Vinegar Syndrome site as well. Yeah, they just I, they just put that out recently. I really can't recommend this movie enough. It is, and I'm yeah. so I feel so lucky that we got to watch this together. Like I truthfully, I had watched it the night before because I wasn't sure you were going to end up coming over. Because every time we plan to hang out, something has come up, oh, and man. I just couldn't I couldn't take it. But I watched it two days in a row, and I would I'm surprised I haven't watched it many more times. But this is definitely a movie to watch with friends. One hundred percent. 100% agreed. Yeah, that was enjoyment. Like watching it with you was a lot of fun and laughing at the same stuff. And then yeah. we'll talk about it later. Like it was both in both of our wheelhouses perfectly. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. If you've it, got an it, audience. And it just, I think the authenticity of it is the thing that keep, just keeps getting me. And you can tell a lot of care went into making this. It took two years to put it back together. So they've been working on this for quite a while to get it to finally come out. And they kept under wraps for a while. I was kind of surprised how long. Yeah. They, they, I mean, I really only heard about it probably about six months before it actually came out, which was probably part of their plan. They started teasing and talking about it, and all of a sudden it was it was out. It was kind of really well done that way. Yeah, and I was, and I bought it the second it was available. I mean, I couldn't even. I'm like, yes, I, absolutely. You watch the trailer, you know, right then and there, like, yes, this movie has to be seen. But I was nervous getting it because I'm like, God, what if this doesn't work? What if this isn't something that? What if they can't do what it looks like they did in the trailer? And then they 100% did. I wasn't worried about it for a minute. I had 100% faith in vinegar syndrome and they delivered. We could talk about how great this movie is forever and ever, but I highly recommend picking up New York Ninja from the vinegar syndrome website. Um, It's worth the money because of the packaging, because of the, the movie, the stories behind it. They, it's yeah, they want you to know what they did to make it. And it is impressive. It is. It's a passion project that delivers on every promise that they made. I can't recommend it enough myself. I agree. All right. Before I let you go, Sean, what have, uh, what have you been watching lately? What do you recommend? Oh, man. You mean besides Seinfeld? No. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, everybody's watching Seinfeld again right now. 
<laughs> the internet's fallen re- is, have refallen in love with Seinfeld. Yeah, well, we'll stay in. Well, they never should have fallen out of love. But anyways, that's a whole other podcast. But you no, know, for movie wise, I'm back in the vinegar vinegar syndrome catalog. I just finished up Scanner Cop two. Which, Dude, I loved that movie so much. I've wanted to do a podcast <laughs> with you on that forever. Well, we can still do a podcast. I mean, the only thing I'll say, as much as a fun movie as it is, I don't know if it dist- if it deserved a 4K release, but I'm not going to you know complain about that. It's great. It looks great. It is a lot of fun and uh, straight to video 90s goodness. I, I liked it. It's so good. I, actually, as soon as I finished Scanner Cop 1 and 2 in 4K, um, I immediately, I don't have Scanner Scanners 1. But I got two and three from Shout Factory. Um, no. They are technically they're from the same universe, but none of the movies connect in any way other than the Scanner Cops have the same lead actor. But otherwise, that's it. Have and you seen Scanners, the original Scanners? I've seen Scanners, yeah. Oh, man. You should get it, by the way. Criterion release. Beautiful. Fantastic. Total package. Highly recommend. Yeah, they're they're interesting. I haven't even watched two and three. Like I waited for it for so long. It was one of those that almost got lost in shipping. It just yeah. took forever to get, and I finally got it. I'm like, awesome. Put it on my shelf. I haven't watched it yet, and I bought it over the summer. I really need to get on that one. Same here. Maybe we should do the, maybe we should do a Scanners one, because I also yeah. have three on my shelf, and I haven't watched them yet. I didn't I, even watch Scanner Cop 1. I went straight to 2 because I heard it was better. It is better. Yeah, it's it's a better movie. But all right, yeah, check out the Scanner Cops. Basically, anything Vinegar Syndrome is putting out right now. I've One of the more recent ones I got during the Black Friday sale was Ticks, and I loved Ticks. Ticks was so good. It, yeah. It's got Seth Green in it. It's got Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That should be enough. Those Clint names Howard. alone. It's what got me. Clinton Howard's in it. Yeah, I, it's on my list. I don't own it yet, but I'm sure I will at some point. Uh, you know, I just think of Wayne Campbell, you know, looking at his guitar. It will be mine. Yes. Oh, yes, it will be mine. I thought that as well until I finally <laughs> got it. And I was so excited. That was the first one I watched. There wasn't even a, I mean, there wasn't really even a question. I was like, I'm absolutely watching Ticks. It was uh it was great. But uh, yeah, yeah, lots of good movies out there. You can find Sean at Film Wheelhouse on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Sure to like and share and, and subscribe, all that good stuff. And Sean, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Jay. Good times. The Rewatch Podcast is an Alpha Media production. Crime has remained at an all-time low thanks to Ninja Fever.